Good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to see you here this morning. Listen, you're going to get to see a lot more of our property today than you ever have every week. I told you probably for the next 20 weeks or so, the church will look different as you come in and out. Today, when you leave, we're going to ask you to drive on our new outer road that literally runs around our entire property, around our entire new property, around both retention ponds that we've got in the back. If you've got a truck with four-wheel drive and you're going left, you could actually pull out the new driveway and and not even have to do a U-turn, but don't hit another journey person in a smaller car that's got to go out the regular entry. But when they send you out today, the road is is nice and hard and firm. Um, You'll make it, man, look and dream with us at all that God is doing some really exciting days ahead. We're in week six of a series that we're calling The Way of Jesus. Here's the whole purpose of this series. We're trying to learn the ways of Jesus so we can live like Jesus as followers of Jesus. And every week we've been in Matthew chapter 5 learning this. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me today. Grab your ministry tools out of your bulletin so you can follow along online. Maybe fire up that app. For those of you watching at home, good morning. Thank you for being with us. Somebody asked me this week, hey, Christian, why do we, why do we like clap at the end of service and say thank you to people who are watching online? Here, here's why. Uh, more than half of our church is still watching online right now. They're not able to come. And here's what we want you to know about you. You are our family and we love you and we miss you. And we know we cannot do what God has called us to do without you. And I know if you're sitting at home every week, the devil's telling you, you're not a part of that church anymore. You can't go until you're healthy. You can't go until your kids are safe. And you're wondering, do they still remember me? Do they still care about me? We do. Um, We can't do what God has called us to without every person who's a part of our family moving forward together. So when you put your hands together and say, um, hey, like, thanks for being with us today. What you're saying is we remember our whole family's not together yet, but we will be um, one day in the future future. One of those families, to show you how serious people are doing online church, we did a Bible incentive program in our kids ministry over the last few months where kids every Sunday when they came, they learned how to memorize um, the Old Testament books of the Bible, the 12 apostles, um, the 10 commandments. And then at the end of eight weeks, if they could recite those back every Sunday, they received either a Bible, their J Kids Bible was an award. If they've already got a J Kids Bible from a previous incentive program, they got a brand new cool kids hat. And we had a family who hasn't been able to come to church for health reasons, um, who every Sunday after they watch church, a mom, Alyssa, her husband, Nico, um, their two little girls, Amelia and Ava, they on their own, just as a mom and dad did kids ministry with them, taught them the books of the Bible, did the disciples, um, did the commandments, quoted those for our team. And last week we're able to stop by and get their Bible, get their hat for their kids. So those of you who are, who are your own church at home with us, we love you. We miss you. We're for you. If we can serve you in any way, please don't hesitate to let us know. Oswald Chambers says this as we jump into Matthew chapter 5 today. Spiritual vision depends on our character. It is the pure in heart who see God. Our goal as a church is to be a church filled with people who when people look at us, they see Jesus. But people will not see Jesus when they look at us until we are able to see Jesus when we look at everything in the world through the lens of our life and through our hearts. So as we dig into Matthew chapter 5 today, here are going to be the goals of our message. If we can accomplish these, we've done a good job. Number one, to learn the process of receiving a pure heart. Turn to someone next to you and say process. It is a process to receive a pure heart. You were not born with a pure heart, but when you were born again, you begin to enter a process by which Jesus changes his heart. You say, what do you mean I wasn't born with a good heart? My mom says I've got a good heart. Your mom has to say that. She's your mom, but your mom is a false prophet spiritually. Like, no one is born... 
No one is born with a good heart, according to Scripture. But when you're born again, Jesus begins to make your heart like his heart. So we're going to learn how becoming pure in heart is a process, and then we're going to learn the spiritual purpose of that process. Why is it important that we let Jesus work in us to help us to develop a pure heart? Those are the goals of our Bible study time today. Before we ever jump into Scripture, we always pray and ask God to speak to our hearts. Would you bow your heads with me here and those watching online Take a deep breath if you haven't maybe done that since Tuesday. And just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Ask God to speak to you today. God, that's our prayer that you would speak to us today. Show us how you use every event in our lives, every moment of every day, to shape in us a heart that helps us to see you. That's our prayer. And God, we pray you'll help us with that today. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 say this. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We've been living in these verses, and we will for about 10 weeks, and here's why, with the hope that once we're done with these series, these 10 verses will live in us for the rest of our life. But we've been going one verse at a time, and today we're in verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In order for us to learn to see God today, we have to learn the things that blind our eyes to seeing God, to seeing Jesus in our heart every day. And then we have to see those things that serve as binoculars and help us maybe see further spiritually than we could see on our own. So today we're going to look at blinders and binoculars, blinders and binoculars. We're going to look today, uh, start today with blinders, spiritual blinders. What are those things in our lives that keep us not only from being pure in heart, but keep us from seeing God. What are those spiritual blinders? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Now I want to do a little bit of a review before we jump into what it means to be pure in heart today. I want to start with this word blessed. Everyone say the word blessed. Man, I, I need to be blessed this week. And I think you need to be blessed this week, very specifically because of what this word means. We said this word blessed is the Greek word makarios. And it's used in Greek literature to describe a happiness derived from an inward contentedness that is not affected by the world of men. In Greek literature, it was used of the Greek gods who, while they lived on planet Earth, didn't really follow the same rules as everyone on planet Earth. They lived in the world, but they were not impacted by the world. They lived by just a, at, a, at a different standard of inner peace and inner ability. Uh, on Monday morning, I stood on the sidewalk waiting to pray with our people for Monday morning prayer, and one of our police officers came out to me and said, Christian, man, be praying for me and the guys this week. And I said, all right, what's up? And he said, well, we just heard this morning that they're going to pull all the SWAT teams up basically to ready alert all the SWAT teams, all the TAC teams, like for election day in case things get out of hand. And I thought, like, you, like, you got to be kidding me. Like, what, like, what is this, Venezuela? Like, we, like, we call up. He said, yeah, all, all the SWAT teams all over Kansas City are ready to be deployed on election day in case they're needed. And I just thought, this is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, I went home, and I was watching the news, and I heard on the news that 77% of Americans believe that regardless of who won the election, that there would be violent protest after the election, 
Um, not because they did not trust the election system, but they did not trust the other party to be in control of their lives. Seventy-eight out of 10 Americans said no matter who wins, there's going to be violent protests because we do not trust anyone to be in control of us. And I, and I thought, I thought, as I studied for this message, man, how I wish I was this. I wish that news didn't affect my soul. I wish it didn't impact my peace. I wish it didn't steal my joy. I wish I could hear all the crazy things going on in our world and say, okay, process the information, but not have it stunt me even a bit spiritually. Like, don't, don't you want that kind of spiritual connection with God? Amen. Like that's the promise of the Beatitudes that you can be so connected to Jesus that when you hear things that just seem totally upside down, you understand them, but you're not affected by them. Jesus says, blessed are people who follow his way. And here he talks about those who are pure in heart. Now let's talk about the word heart for a minute. Pretty easy Greek transition word for us. It's the word cardia in the Greek. It's the Greek word we get cardiac from. But in scripture, it's used really not to describe the heart. It's used to describe the inner man. It's used to describe the soul. Anytime scripture, often when scripture uses the word heart, it's talking about the soul of a person, what's going on in their inner man. It's what God used in 1 Samuel 16, 7, when he sent Samuel to go anoint the next king of Israel. And Samuel saw David and thought, man, he doesn't look like much. God said, you're looking at him in a different way than I am. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at your soul. Let me ask you, November 8, 2020, how's your soul? Because when God sees you, he gets, he gets through the smile, he gets through the outward exterior, and he knows exactly what's going on inside. How's your soul? Are you anxious today? Are you worried today? Are you mad today? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeless? Are you living in a little bitterness? Um, have you lost all hope? How's your soul? How's your soul? Because here's what you need to understand. When God looks at you, he sees the condition of your soul. Nobody else might not be able to see it, but he sees the condition of your soul. And if you're a Christian, and let me say this, if you're here and you're not a Christian, welcome. Um, You are always welcome at our church. We would love to have you sit and learn in your spiritual journey who Jesus is, what Christianity is, how, how to follow Jesus. We'd love to have you ask us questions. We'd love you to push back on things you don't understand. You are always welcome to sit and be a part of our Sunday services in, as, as you journey towards Jesus. So I don't want to leave you out if you're here, but if you're a follower of Jesus, when God looks at, at you, one, he sees your soul, and two, he knows, he knows how to shape your soul so your eyes will see Jesus. You say, how does he do that? Through the process of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Both Jesus and Matthew, when they said this, were saying something different than you and I hear. Because the word pure in the Greek language is katharos. In the Latin, the first the first language the Bible was translated to after Greek was Latin. So often we look back to that for a real original meaning is the word kastus. When we look at the word katharos and we look at the word Latin kastus, the word pure means to make pure by cleansing or by discipline. So when you hear blessed are the pure in heart, that does not mean God finds people who have pure hearts and he blesses them. When you hear blessed are the pure in heart, it, it means blessed are people who are becoming pure. 
It doesn't mean that God finds people who are pure and he blesses them. It means he finds people who have decided to follow Jesus and he leverages everything in their life, every day of their life, every week of their life. God finds people who have decided to follow Jesus and he leverages everything in their life to make them pure so they can see Jesus. You say, how exactly does that work? Let me explain it to you. You might not like it. The Greek word katharos is the, is the word we get the English word catharsis from. Um, you say, what is catharsis? In, in the process of counseling, um, in the medical counseling therapy world, catharsis is when you let someone get out their emotions. It's, it's the process of, of emptying yourself of all your negative emotions and negative feelings. Catharsis is removing the negative. Um, in the Greek language, this word was used most of iron that was being melted together, and it was used of the process of how they would have to melt it until everything that was not silver, gold, or part of the iron had melted away. Catharsis is, is a process of drawing something out, drawing the bad out. Um, in the Latin, the word chastis is the word we get the English word chased from, and if you look at Old English, um, chastity or being chased was usually a process of being, becoming pure by being disciplined. It was, it was a word used of a very heavy-handed dad who forced their daughters in the old medieval worlds to be absolutely chaste. It was not a pretty or pleasant process. There's another word that's going to hit your gut that we get in English from katharos, and it's catheter. That's, that's yeah, somebody's like, ooh. Like, I felt someone do this. Mm, like... Oh, okay. I know what that is. Like counseling mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Old English. Nope. Catheter. Yeah. You got my attention. Um, a catheter is used to help somebody remove waste when they are not able to remove it themselves from their body. And when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said, blessed are people who have allowed God to remove from their life all the waste. They were not able to get out themselves. Not a pleasant process. Not a pretty process. If any of us were to like to volunteer today to do anything else or get a catheter after lunch, we would choose like anything. Like you wouldn't even have to tell us. Option A or catheter. A, like I just feel the will of God is A today for me and my life. Someone texted me after my 8 a.m. service and said, I did that last week. It's always letter A. I promise you it's always letter A. That's the word. And when it's applied to the soul, you say, what is God trying to get out? When applied to the soul, this word for purity means unmixed and undivided in motives or substance. Pure in heart does not mean you're a good person. Pure in heart does not mean you've got a really soft heart. Pure in heart means you've got an undivided heart. You say, what is the waste God's removing from my soul? Anything that competes with Jesus being the priority of your life. That's what it means to be pure in heart. It means to have those things in your life that compete with Jesus being number one, drawn out of your life. James says that trying to serve two gods, what he calls being double-minded, having two things compete for your attention, absolutely makes you unstable. In James chapter one, he says, people who are double-minded are unstable in all they do. People who are trying to serve Jesus on Sunday and serve the world Monday through Friday, they are totally unstable, both in their regular life and their spiritual life. He says in James four, eight, come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You say, how, what does it mean to purify your hearts of being double-minded? It means to have removed from your life everything that competes with Jesus being number 
number one. That's what it means to be pure in heart. And if you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, I will use every occurrence of your life to purify your soul, to pull out things that might be competing with me. Because if your heart gets pure, your eyes get opened, and you actually see who God is. That's the process of being pure in heart. But some of us have blinders on, and it it, it doesn't allow us to see every situation of every day the way God wants us to see it. So I want to go over just four spiritual blinders here real quick that we've got to be aware of so that we can become pure in heart so that we can see God. Blinder number one, spiritual pride. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are people who know they can't do it on their own. They can't make it on their own. People who say, I don't need Jesus Monday through Friday are never going to have their eyes open to what Jesus is trying to do Monday through Friday in their life. So this thought of having spiritual pride and not thinking that I need anything new, not thinking that I need anything more is going to be a blinder that keeps you from seeing every situation as a spiritual situation that God wants to use to pull the waste out of your life so your heart can be pure and your eyes can be open. What's number two on spiritual people? 1 Corinthians 15, says, don't be misled, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. You can sit in church and you can fill your heart, you can fill your mind with the things of God. But I think in 2020, this just doesn't apply to relationships. I think it applies to social media relationships. You can fill your heart and life with the things of God, but then if you leave and you immediately begin to fill your heart and life with the things of unhealthy people, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy opinions, unhealthy anxiety and tension. Bad company corrupts good character. You can get as good as you can possibly be, and then you can go soil in unhealthy spiritual people. You also have to be aware of unhealthy practices. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Paul says, since we know all this stuff about Jesus, we got to purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and our soul. We got to look around at our life and say, is there anything that's contaminating my body or my soul that's keeping me from giving Jesus all of me? And then number four, we got to beware of personal isolation. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, though one may fall, two more easily defend themselves. And he said, man, woe to the person. I feel sorry for the person who's alone when they fall. You know, sometimes when we look at this list of things, we can understand why we aren't able to see Jesus in every area of everyday life. For those of you who are at home right now, one of our greatest fears for you, the reason we talk to you and tell you how grateful we are every week is we know the devil wants to get you alone. So not if, but when you fall, when you have a hard day, when you have a hard week, you think there's nobody to help me anymore. It's a dangerous season and people living in isolation are living in emotionally and spiritually dangerous seasons right now. And when we look at this list, if you want to be pure in heart and have your eyes see God, you have two ways, watch two ways to eliminate these things from your life, spiritual pride, unspiritual people, unhealthy practices, personal isolation. You can surrender these to Jesus or you can have a catheter. Which one do you want? A, option A, option, always option A, always option A. This is what it means to be pure in heart. You can surrender these areas out of your life. This is waste that pollutes your heart and doesn't allow your eyes to see. You can, you can surrender this waste or you can have it pulled out of you. Have you ever talked to someone who said something like this? Man, last week, just kick the poo out of me. You ever, have, you ever, have you ever had someone say that? You ever thought that? Man, last week, just kick the foot. You know what you need to say when someone hears that? You need to say, God bless you. Good for you. Good for you. Because God used weeks like that to draw the waste 
out of your life so your heart could be more single-minded in your commitment to Jesus. Man, this week just seemed to kick the tar. Awesome. It was a good week. That was probably a week of some things you should have surrendered a few years ago that you didn't. So the nurse had to put on the rubber gloves and get to work. And now now God is trying to purify by drawing out the unclean, the waste. He's trying to purify your heart so that you can see Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, these blinders have to come off so that your heart can be open and your eyes can be open to who God is. These are blinders that we need to deal with. I'm going to ask you at the end of the message, if you haven't, to deal with one. To just pick one and say, "This this week I'm going to surrender that one so that next year it doesn't have to be drawn out of me with the spiritual catheter, spiritual blinders. We also want to look at spiritual binoculars. Okay, I understand what's keeping me from seeing, but is there anything that can help me see deeper, help me see clear? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. Now, I'm going to give you a little grammar lesson. I'll put a smiley face by it because I know you all like it so much. Um, We'll see God. This phrase in the, is in the future indicative tense and in the middle voice. Like, hallelujah, right? Like, that, like that is, you're, you're like, of course it is. I mean, that's what I thought um, when I read it. You say, what does that even mean, that, that future indicative tense and the middle voice? What does that mean? That means if Jesus were preaching this sermon to us or if we were reading it in the original language, here's what we would have read. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will be continuously seeing God for themselves. That's what it means. Blessed are people who allow God in every situation to draw out things to compete with him so their heart gets clear because those people will be continuously seeing God for themselves. They won't need the preacher to tell them who God is. They'll see God for themselves. They won't need the worship team to take them to the throne of worship. They'll be able to see God for themselves. They, they, won't, they won't even need study helps and books. Every day in life experiences, they will be able to see God. What we are looking for are binoculars so that in every situation that happens every day, we stop the situation, we freeze it, and we play where's Waldo so that we're looking for Jesus. Out of every meeting, after every phone call, after every text message, after every newscast, after every election, after everything that happens, we freeze frame the world, kind of like in the Matrix. And we look around. And we're like, okay, where's Jesus in this? Where's Jesus in this? Where's Jesus in this? And when we find him, what we find is God's trying to pull something out of our heart that's dividing our attention from him, and he's trying to get us to focus on him. Those are the binoculars that we are looking for. You say, how do we see God? Through every life experience when you understand how God begins to work. This is what the Apostle Paul told the church in Ephesus, one of the greatest churches in in New Testament history. The Apostle Paul started this church. Timothy pastored this church. The Apostle John pastored this church. Mary, the mother of Jesus, did some women's ministry at this church. This was a famous, legendary church in the New Testament era. And Paul told them, here's my prayer for you. As I think about who you need to become and how God wants you to impact the world. In Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, he said, I keep asking the God, uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, I keep asking that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You say, what does that mean? This is how we start off, by the way, our entire growth track process. For those of you who are new to Journey or maybe you've been at Journey a while but you've not been through our four-step spiritual pathway called the growth track that helps you really know God, be transformed, understand who God created you to be and then to go do it, we start that entire growth track process with this verse. We say it's our goal at our church 
that God tells you what he wants you to know. That's the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that God speaks to you about who you are, about what you're supposed to do, about how you're supposed to do it. Our goal is to connect you to, to, connect you to God's vision for your life, not Journey's vision for your life. And if you haven't done the growth track yet, you just need to give four weeks of your life, two hours on a Sunday, come to growth track and then come to church or come to church and then grow to growth track. I promise you it'll be beneficial to you. Even if you never end up being a part of our church, you'll be better for the next church you go to, better for your family, better for your friends, better for your kids after these four weeks in growth track. I believe it because it helps you know who God is. And then Paul says this, once you know who that is, he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be open, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul said, when I look at my church, I'm praying that God may speak to them by opening up their heart because when you become pure in heart, you begin to see Jesus every day in every circumstance. If you're here saying, that's what I want. And almost everyone I meet who comes to church, almost everyone I meet who sat in step one or step two or step three or four growth track, everyone at the end of it says, that's exactly what I want. That's why, that's why I'm in a relationship with God. That's why, I'm, that's why I come to church. That's why I come on Sunday mornings. I'm trying to figure out who God is. What, is. what does he want me to do? How am I supposed to do it? How can I make the difference he's created me for? I want God to open the eyes of my heart so that I see Jesus every day and every day of my life. How do I do that? Let me give you four pairs of binoculars that will help you do that. Number one, having a pair of binoculars called spiritual dependency. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Those of you like me who grew up in church, you, you memorized this verse in Bible quizzing, you memorized it in Awana, you memorized it for a Bible incentive, you learned it at vacation Bible school. We learned this verse, but none of our teachers told us the most important part of this verse. Here it is. We learned this one later in life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here's, here's, here's the most important part of that verse that we all have memorized, but we've never thought about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here's the most important part. Ready for it? Everything you understand about your life is probably wrong. Amen? Like, you might learn that in your 20s. You might learn it in your 40s. You might learn it in your 60s. But at some point, you're going to look up, if you haven't met Jesus yet, and you're going to say, everything I have understood about how life works, everything I thought I knew about how life would work before I met Jesus, I have misunderstood. Lean not on your own understanding. It's not going to get you anywhere. In all your ways, just acknowledge that you need God, spiritual dependency, and he will direct your paths. Spiritual dependency is huge because it sets us up for saying, we don't know it all. What we do know is probably wrong or skewed in some way. So I'm just going to live life the way Jesus has told me, spiritual dependency. When you develop spiritual dependency, you'll begin to look for spiritual direction. You'll begin to look for scriptural directives. Scriptural directives. How is, the, how is the Bible telling me to pursue Jesus, to see things, to live my life? Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Blessed are the pure in heart. I want to be pure in heart. How can I be pure in heart? How does a young man keep his way pure? By observing God's word. You see, I want to learn. You got to read your Bible. You got to read your Bible. Listen, life with Jesus will make you pure. Life in Jesus' word will keep you pure. Let me say it again. Starting a life with Jesus will make you pure from the inside out. He'll take all of the impurities and he'll take them out. Life with Jesus will make you pure. Life in Jesus' words will keep you there, will keep you pure. 
You've got to go to the Word of God and say, all right, Jesus, how do we live our life now? One of the challenges I'm giving our small groups this week is, man, I think every Christian should be, if they don't have an absolute discipline for reading the Bible, I think every Christian should have an accountability partner when it comes to reading the Bible. And I've asked our small groups, if you're not a small group full of faithful Bible readers, come up with a Bible reading challenge between now and the end of the year. Over the next 40 days, read something together, hold each other accountable, because Jesus makes your heart pure, but Jesus... This word keeps your heart pure. Man, get into the word. Find scriptural directives. As you do that, what you will find is Holy Spirit direction. You will, as you read God's word, you'll begin to feel like God is speaking to your heart. Galatians 5.16 says, so I say, live by the spirit. So you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the spirit so you don't do what God doesn't want you to do. You say, how do I, how do I live by the spirit? It's a great question. It's a great question. It was one that one of our young girls asked her mom a few months ago. Had the opportunity after church last week to baptize one of our 10-year-olds. Her name is Hayden. Um, she, like when they were two and three, just lived just down the street from me. I was in a small group with her parents and had an opportunity last Sunday after church at 10 to baptize her. And, and it was awesome to read her story. But the last paragraph of her testimony, when we baptize people at our church, we ask them to share their testimony. The, the last paragraph, when I read it, I thought, I think every Christian has asked this question. Some of you are asking it today. When I said live by the Holy Spirit direction, you're thinking, how how does that work? Great question. Hayden said at the end of her testimony, one thing that confused me when I first decided to follow Jesus was that people told me you can hear God. I didn't really know what that meant. I thought, I've never heard him talking to me. When I shared this with my mom, she explained that the Holy Spirit lives inside me once I accept Jesus into my life and that the way to have a close relationship with God and hear his voice is to spend time in the Bible and in prayer. Now that I've been developing my relationship with God by learning his word, I now know that I'm hearing from God through the gift of his Holy Spirit within me. She's 10. She's 10. But she had a mom who said, here's how, I, here's how I've opened my spiritual ears and now I'm going to open my mouth and teach you. See, she, she had a mom, if we back up a slide, who lived in spiritual dependency through scriptural directives with Holy Spirit direction. And watch this, parents. Watch this. She had a mom who said, this is how I hear God. And then she taught her daughter, this is how you hear God. You say, how important are these three things? How important are these three things? Here's the answer to that question. How important is it to us that the kids sitting in our kids' ministry right now, when they're our age, know how to hear from God. That's how important it is for you and I to do these things. However important we think it is for the kids, our kids and our grandkids right now sitting in kids' ministry, however important we think it is for them when they're in their teens and in their 20s and in their 30s, however important we think it is for them to hear from God when the culture is going to tell them the exact opposite of what God would say, even more in 20 years from now than it is now. How, how important do we think it is for them to learn to hear God? What Hayden's mom, Stephanie, would tell us, if that's important, we better do these three things. We better learn to hear, and then we better learn to open our mouths and tell our kids, this is how you hear. And you can't start too early. She's 10. She's 10. So we follow the Holy Spirit direction by getting in the Word. And then what did Hayden say? We, she said, we do that by praying. We do it, number four, by having spiritual discussion with God. That's called prayer and, and with others. That's just called spiritual community. In Ephesians 6.18, Paul told the church at Ephesus, man, you need to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Like everything that happens, stop and pray. 
When you get in your matrix moment and you stop and freeze the world and begin to play where's Waldo with Jesus, where is he? At that point, you stop and you say, all right, God, purify my heart, open my eyes to see you. What is Jesus doing in this situation? In all circumstances, I'm going to pray. And then I love Acts 17 because Acts 17, Paul was at a church in Berea and it said that every time he preached the word on Sunday, the people would go open the words. They would go to church and then they'd go home together and have dinner and they'd study the Bible and say, what did we learn and how can this kind of deepen us? They, they would talk about everything they learned and it said it helped them believe more. See, we believe at our church that you ought to come to church on Sunday morning, but true spiritual growth is found in spiritual community because in spiritual discussion, you hear how the Holy Spirit was kind of speaking to everyone and it gives you a more well-rounded faith. If you're here and for some reason you've not yet engaged in a small group, I'm telling you, like next year at the latest is the time to get in a men's group or get in a women's group or get in a couple's group or get in a serve group. It's time to live in spiritual community, not so you can have friends, but so you can have people to talk to about, here's what God's telling me, what's God telling you Together, can that help us both hear and see God more? It's a question we want to ask. You say, why is that so important? Because Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Because they'll see God. And if we believe our community needs to see God in us, we need to learn how to see him in our life. Now, I can't end this message before I let you kind of hit steps A, B, C that I told you. Because I just talked to you about baptism. I talked to you about small groups. I talked to you about growth track. And like on the scale of spiritual maturity, where those are, those are all like at the very big, like those are all in the first lap of your spiritual race. Baptism, uh, growth track, and small groups or being in community, at, at least at our church. So I put inside your bulletin this card. I've also got, if you, if you, all you got is a smartphone, you can text it. Um, a card that says next steps, name, email, phone, and a place to sign up for. If you, like if you're here today, and you say, I've done everything, but I've not been baptized. I've not gone to growth check. I've not gone to small groups. You're like, you need to fill this card out. You check those three boxes, throw it in the box at the, at the back of the auditorium doors, and then let us follow up with you. Because some of you are saying something like this. Watch this. Some of you are saying, I don't feel like I can hear God. I don't feel like I can hear God. Here's one of the reasons why for you, maybe. The first thing that God says to you after you become a Christian the first thing God says to you after you become a Christian is get baptized. And for some of you, until you listen to the first thing he's told you, why would he tell you the second thing? God, I've been wondering about this. God said, yeah, like I've told you what to do. Do that one and then I'll tell you. Number two, get baptized. Some of you here and you've not done that yet. It's your time. There's something about the act of obedience and baptism that kind of washes out your ears so you can begin to hear the next thing in your life. But the first thing that Jesus says is repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Get in growth track, discover your purpose, figure out who God created you to be. Think about getting in a small group. You can take those steps today. I can't talk about those things without giving you an immediate chance if God's grabbing your heart to sign up for those things. But let's close with this thought. How do I see God? Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. I'm going to close by giving you a two Saul solution. I'm going to introduce you to two different men named Saul and show you how the process of becoming pure in heart so that you can see God works in your life. What we're going to learn is a change of heart will lead to a change in your eyes. Who's the first Saul we're going to meet? King Saul, first king of Israel in the Old Testament. A prophet named Samuel went to him and said, God's getting ready to change your life. 
Here's what's going to look like when you connect with God. The Spirit of the Lord is going to come powerfully upon you. You're going to prophesy. Then you're going to be changed into a different person. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart. Here's what it looks like to have your heart purified and your eyes open. God begins by changing your heart. And then let's meet the next Saul. He was a Pharisee named Saul. He'd been blinded by God and his message. And in Acts chapter 9, not a prophet, but a disciple named Ananias went and said, now that you have connected with the God of the universe, here are your next steps. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Two Saul solution. Let God change your heart. He will change your eyes. Let God change your heart. He will see your eyes and you will see everything that's happening in life as something God is using to pull out the waste, to pull out anything that divides your commitment to him, to give you a single-minded focus, to give you a clear picture of who God is and what he's doing so that as you see it, the world may see him in you. How is your soul today? What is God trying to do? What is he asking you to surrender? What is he asking you to add? If you can answer those questions take a big step forward today spiritually. Would you pray with me as we consider those things? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Here and those of you watching online, if you will allow God to change your heart, he will change how your eyes see him. Because Jesus said, blessed are those whose hearts are being purified by Jesus because they will continually be seeing God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never seen God as someone you can have a personal relationship with, Today, he wants you to know that he can give you a new heart and a new connection to him. His son, Jesus, came to live for you. Jesus died so your sin could be forgiven. Jesus was resurrected from the tomb so you could have a new life by following him. And if you're not right with God today, but you want to be, if you've never seen God as someone you can live in relationship with, but you want to, then just tell his son, Jesus, you need him. You can do that through prayer. You don't have to pray out loud, but if that's what God has birthed in your soul today, then just respond by praying something like this from your heart to heaven, not even out loud. Say something like this, Jesus, I need you in my life. God, I want to have a relationship with you. Forgive my sin and brokenness. Heal me and make me brand new. I surrender my will to your spirit. Come into my heart and life and lead me. Use every experience in life to help my heart see you. Today, by faith, I choose to follow Jesus and make him my Savior. If you just prayed that prayer with me in just a second, Pastor Mike's going to come back up and tell you how you can let us know so we can pray for you, pray with you, maybe give you some information, some resources to help you walk in your faith. But before we close this prayer, Christians, let me talk to you, Christians. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed hearts are open. One question, Christians, surrender or catheter? That's the message of today. One question, surrender or catheter? Are you going to surrender the blinders? Are you going to make Jesus pull them out? Remove one this week. Spiritual pride, unspiritual people, unhealthy practices, living in isolation. Remove one this week. Surrender them. If you have one of those, surrender it right now. Tell Jesus, this week I'm going to work on this one. And then in spiritual dependency, choose one. Time in God's word, being led by his spirit, spending time in prayer and spiritual community. If you need one of those, choose one this week. Commit to it this week. Because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will continually... 
be seeing God for themselves. God, you told us that blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who mourn and blessed are the meek. You said blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart and blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are those who are persecuted and insulted because of how we live or what we believe or Lord, the things we stand for. Lord, you said blessed are you when you look at every circumstance, every scenario, every moment, every minute of life and you pause your world to see Jesus in it. Blessed are you when you open your heart to every experience of life to see things how Jesus wants us to see it. And God, as you change our hearts and as you change our eyes, change our lives so that as people see us, they see you. So Lord, our community can change. Lord, we need your blessing. Lord, we need your catharsis. Lord, we need your purity. We need your presence. So we pray this week you'd walk with us as we give you our heart and our eyes. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's stand and worship with Ken and the team.